Surveys cited in business magazines and management books confirm that the personal characteristic that employees most value from their employers is honesty. Above all, employees want to be dealt with in a truth-filled manner. Now, there are no surprises here because employers want the exact same thing from their employees. You know, when single people describe the perfect mate, honesty and truthfulness are always on the list. I mean, let's think about it. Marriages have to have honesty. Friendships have to have honesty. That basic parent-child relationship has to have honesty. In short, honesty is what people want from us, and in turn, it is what we want and expect from other people. So let me ask you, do you remember the first time you were betrayed or the first time you were lied to? The first time confidence was was broken or the truth was twisted in order to hurt you? My friends, I bet you remember that detail, that experience with great detail. Did being hurt in that way make you want to withdraw from human society? Now, just in case you're wondering, God wholeheartedly supports the idea of telling the truth. It is not by accident that the Ten Commandments include a prohibition against giving false witness against your neighbor. In other words, don't lie. Don't distort the truth. Don't use words to play around with reality. My friends, without a radical commitment to truth-telling, marriages, families, friendships, they'll disintegrate. Businesses fall apart. Churches split. Governments become totally ineffective. The very fabric of our relationships and our society begin to unravel. We don't like it in others when they're not truthful. But you know what? We have to make a commitment to not doing it ourselves. That's what Proverbs 12, 22 says. The Lord detests lying lips. I mean, very strong language to describe sinful behavior. Lying destroys ourselves and other people. Proverbs 15, 4. The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. So let me ask you, have you told any lies lately? No, I'm being serious, really. Think about it. What about harmless half-truths? Have you ever exaggerated the truth? Maybe you exaggerated the truth in order to make yourself look better. Inflate your own personal accomplishments. 
Do you ever minimize the truth? Suggest that it wasn't really that bad. Do you ever twist the truth to make someone else look bad? Have you ever stated your opinion as if it were a fact? Have you ever, listen to this one, have you ever forwarded an email that you agreed with, but that it was only an opinion and you never stopped for in a second to research it, you just hit send and send it to others. Do you realize that in that moment you are perpetuating a lie? Have you ever gotten yourself into a jam and saw that the only way out of it was to distort the truth? Okay, so here's the answer, is yes. And if you answered no, you're lying. <laughs> and this might be the perfect sermon for you. My friends, let's understand. We lie because we sin. And we sin because we lie. It's no accident that Satan is referred to as the father of lies. For us, lying hands lead us to unholy ground. Lying is a messy and a hurtful business. So what can we do? I want to give you three things that we can do. And the first one sounds kind of easy, but it's something we have to commit to each and every day. Number one, make a commitment to God to watch your words. Make a commitment to God to watch your words. Make a commitment to not lie. And this is big stuff, okay? I mean, this is not just something we find in the book of Proverbs. We also find this in the book of James. Now, James is considered wisdom literature in the New Testament. And so I want to invite you to read this, but it doesn't take very long. But it is just full of how to live kind of advice. And here's just one of them. I'm reading from James here in the third chapter. For all of us make many mistakes. Anyone who makes no mistakes in speaking is perfect, able to keep the whole body in check with a bridle. If we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we guide their whole bodies. Or look at ships. Though they are so large that it takes strong winds to drive them, yet they are guided by a very small rudder. Wherever the will of the pirate directs, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great exploits. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire, and the tongue is a fire. Now, James ends with this. It is with the tongue that we bless the Lord and the Father, and with it we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessings and curses. My brothers and sisters, 
This should not be so. James tells us so very clearly, we've got to watch our words because our words, our words can bring healing and hope and love and grace or our words can absolutely destroy and tear down. You may not realize this, but you have so much more power than you give yourself credit for. And it starts with the words that you use. How will you use it? What's that old saying? Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I'm here to tell you, I wish that were true. The deepest pains I have in my life are not physical ones. The deepest pains are the spiritual ones that come from words that were not spoken in love, words that were not spoken in kindness, words that were spoken to hurt. Our words bring consequences. How will you use your words? So that's the first one. Make a commitment to God to watch your words. Choose to bless people and not to curse people. Secondly, if you want to sin less, I can help you. If you want to sin less, talk less. I know, I know you think I'm kidding. But read Proverbs 10, 19. Because Proverbs 10, 19 is very convicting. It says this. When words are many, sin is not absent. But the one who holds their tongue is wise. So let's kind of put this in some practical terms, right? If you have 300 conversations a week, and in those 300 conversations, you lie five times, your liar prediction index would be something like 300 to five, okay? So you want to lower that number of lies? Well, next week, only have 200 conversations. You'll bring your number of lies per week down to 3.3. That's pretty good. Have 60 conversations the following week, and you'll only lie once. How about that? You want to stop lying altogether? Cut it off at 59 conversations. <laughs> now, I know you laugh at these scenarios, but I think you get the point. Because the less I talk, the less I exaggerate. The less I talk, the less I say things that I regret. The less I talk, the fewer promises I make that I can't keep. The less you talk, and the more you actually listen, not only will you sin less, people will enjoy being around you. Because all of a sudden, life isn't all about you. All of a sudden, you're not exaggerating the truth to make yourself look better, and you're not obnoxious to be around. All of a sudden, you're not hurting people with your words. 
Now I can back this up. Proverbs 15, 28. The heart of the righteous weighs its answer, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. You know, computers have this thing called spell check. Tell you what, we need something in our own heads that is a word check and a lie check, right? Maybe we have it, we just have to slow down so it can be used. So, if you want to sin less, you want to lie less, talk less. I mean, I'm telling you, people, people will start thinking, God, you are such a great conversationalist if you'll just talk less. Number three, and this is so important, speak the truth in love. Truth and kindness were made to go together. Proverbs 3, 3 says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. There are those who speak the truth without love. And you know what? They just brutalize other people. They force truth into situations, but they leave a trail of crushed spirits in their wake. On the other hand, there are those who just gush kindness. They say words of love and grace, but they never join these kind words with the truth. And they leave a trail of sentimentality that's devoid of substance and strength. It's devoid of blessing because you know it's just not true. It's just a nice, empty word. But also, let me assure you that the truth spoken in love is an amazing gift, even when it's not always easy to hear. Now, here's an example from my own life. I was an intern pastor uh, many years ago, 1996, and I was actually having a conversation with my mentor. Now, I knew my mentor had great respect and great love for me and was sharing his life and the way he did ministry so that I could kind of see that and appropriate the right things to how I wanted to be a pastor and what God was calling me to be. And I remember in our conversation, and it wasn't one of those kind of official conversations that we were just talking about the church. We were actually just talking about life. And so I brought up the point to my mentor. I said, you know, I really wish I could have a relationship with a young lady that would last longer than just two months. But it seems like I, they keep kind of imploding on themselves. And uh, I guess it's the problem of the young ladies that I'm dating. Surely it can't be me. And uh, I just wish I could change that because, you know, at this point, I'm 26 and, you know, I was wanting to get married. And here is the truth and love that my mentor spoke to me. He said, Jason, the reason you can't stay in a relationship for longer than a couple months is because of your neediness. Now, 
I can't tell you that just, it hit me hard. But it was truth, and I knew this person really loved me. And so I then had to deal with this, ask this very personal question. And that question is, is this truth? Is this real? So let me tell you what I did about this. I took it seriously, and I went to counseling. Please understand that healthy people go to counseling. Unhealthy people just keep living the same way they've always lived and do nothing about it. Healthy people go and look and see and work and try to get better. So I decided, hey, I need to do this. Now, I had a lot of other issues to look at. Let's just be honest here. I'll save that for another sermon, okay? <laughs> but in this, I went to counseling and I came to understand my own codependency and my own needs and my own neediness and my need to be healthy and my need to have a relationship of love and grace with God and let God fill my needs and then before I was able to share my life with somebody else in a healthy manner. I'm here to tell you the reason I've been married as long as I have, going on 23 years now, is because somebody at some time in my life in love and truth said, Jason, you're too needy. And he was right. Who's that for you? Who speaks to you in truth and love? Who tells you the things that aren't easy to hear, but tells you the things that you need to hear? The things that, for whatever reason, you might be blind to? I pray that you have somebody like that in your life. Those are people that offer healing and grace and love. Sometimes it doesn't always feel like that. But that's exactly, the truth's not always easy. But if it's spoken in love, it makes an impact. I was given an amazing gift, and I'm a healthy person because of it. And I want you to think about what Jesus' words are. The truth will do what? Set you free. Amen. Set you free. Truth spoken in love every time will set you free. My friends, this week, I want you to focus on your words. I want, to, I want you to focus on what you say and how you say it. And I want you to think, okay, I have power. And the power that I have in these spoken words I am going to bless life. I am going to speak truth. I'm going to be an angel of love and grace for somebody else. And as I do it, I know that God's got an angel of grace and truth for me. Live into that. Let me know how that goes. But I promise you, if you'll just watch your words and you'll say, words of love and grace and say it in truth, you're going to make a difference. You're going to make a difference for the very kingdom of God.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.